And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. All right, we are lucky enough to have the man who's winning all the awards, the guy who's stealing everything. He's coach of the year, gym of the year, fighters of the year. I mean, you're taking all the awards. Eric Mixick. <laughs> It is good to see you, my brother. How you doing, man? What's up, Big John? How are you guys, man? I miss talking to you guys, bro. Thanks for having me on again. Love having you on. How's everything going? You feeling good right now? I- I'm feeling good. I'm feeling blessed, and I'm I'm feeling busy, man. It's, oh, uh, we got a we got a busy couple uh, months ahead of us, but this is what we signed up for. I got all excited. It was just, it's the start of the year. I I never thought I'd be jonesing <laughs> for fights so bad, but I'm jonesing. This is yeah, horrible. Too. There's that gap between like December 12th, 15th until like yep. the middle of January. You're going like, what the hell are we doing, man? So we're just putting out yeah, podcasts like, okay, now it's the MMA Worlds. Now it's like we put together fight cars. We're like just making shit up to try to get some shows out so people <laughs> get some content down on the holidays. And uh, yeah. I mean, look, you you guys have won every damn award. Coach of the year, fighters of the year, gym of the year, all the other stuff you guys get. Okay, now I know because I was part of a big gym myself. Go ahead, give me some sort of drama that goes on in this gym. Give it to me. Oh, there you go. <laughs> no, no, don't. I don't want to hear it. It's actually it, no. There's it's it's not, man. Like I was actually singing the guys' praises today, um, and I looked around the room, and it's just it's just world champions in there. But it's it's a it's a different mentality than I what I remember Extreme Couture used to be, where. You know, a lot of guys were out for themselves, and I just feel like when they when they got what they needed, they were gone, and you didn't see them again for the next guy's training camp. Now it seems like these guys want to push one another, and all they want to see is greatness out of one another. You know, and, and the one thing we always said, man, success isn't finite. It's infinite. There's enough to go around for everybody, and that mentality has really shed off, and, and just, man, I couldn't be happier with where we're at with the team. That is a very media-trained answer. Very good job, by the way. Very good. I ask about drama. You shifted it towards the best fighters in the gym and championship level. That's media trained right there. Great job. No wonder you guys got so many. I've done a couple of these interviews. (laughs) No wonder you guys got so many damn awards in that gym. Oh, man. Um, Obviously, look, big big news is broken. Huge fight. Big news. Just just give us how this all came about. Big drama show. Give us how this all came about. Big drama show. Give us how this whole thing came about. I wish I could tell you it was a lot like the the Tyson Fury fight where we knew a month ahead of time this one wasn't like that at all. This one this one came up pretty quick. Um, you know, Dewey and Francis were in, in conversations about this being a possibility. I got the text from the big guy, yo, it's on. And that was really it. And then Markel sent me a text and just said party. And when I said, <laughs> Oh, who we got? And I said he said AJ and I said I just sent a dinner plate back. Yeah. That was it. Like that's the depth of our conversations. We're like mercenaries now. Just <laughs> send us the name and let's go execute it. Uh, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, look, when I look at John and I talked about this last week when there was, you know, um on the last show we were talking about this fight. I look at AJ as a little bit less of a threat than Tyson Fury because of the overall physical size and presence of Tyson Fury, the reach, the height, all those things where he, you can tell the way Tyson Fury fights, he wants to grapple. He wants to hold on you. He wants to hang on you. He wasn't like John said, he wasn't able to do that with Francis because Francis's wrestling ability, his clinching ability, all those things from MMA that he has picked up along the years. Anthony Joshua won't have that same type of ability that Tyson's been able to use in his fights. How does Francis exploit 
Anthony Joshua more so than he does against someone like a Tyson Fury. Yeah, man, it's great. It's a great read on your part too, Josh. I think he's going to be there. I think he's going to be in the pocket for us. Um, whereas with Tyson, it was a lot of understanding the geography of the boxing ring and, and the, the angles that we wanted to try to create to where we can funnel him to limit Tyson Fury's movement. That's where he's so good. So, But if we can put him in a corner post, it limits the movements and limits the exits that he has. So that's where you saw a lot of our offense was when we got, get him backed up to the turnbuckles. Whereas I feel like with Joshua... He does have a, a ring ownership, but he's very plotty. He's going to stay kind of in the middle. He, he works behind his jab very, very well. Um, I think that's something that we're going to have to look to try to exploit is the is the pull counters off the jab, how to occupy it, how to come over top of it, you know, um, and and really just kind of still build on some of the things that we were doing in the in the Tyson Fury camp, then and carry it over into the Joshua camp as well. So and some of the things we didn't even really show in the Tyson Fury fight that I think we'll still be able to do in this fight in particular. Um, the one thing that really stands out to me was the Usyk-Joshua fight and watching uh, Southpaw Usyk attack um, Anthony Joshua and maybe taking some of the some of the things that I saw that Usyk did and apply it into Francis, but um, put our own kind of flair onto it. When you take a look at what Anthony Joshua has become as a fighter, and you're right, he's got a plotting style. He's, he's not a guy who's light on his feet. He doesn't move a lot. But he has changed certain things up. When he when he was training with Robert Garcia, he really did a great job of going to the body against Usyk. And all of those attacks, I think he's going to look at Francis Ngannou and want to bring those attacks back and go after the body of Francis to say, okay, how do you deal with this? Because I'm going to just punch the holes in your gas tank so down the road in the later rounds, oh, you're not feeling so fresh. 100%. And I think that would be if you're going to break ourselves down, right, and, and look at what, what are the ways this guy is going to use his skill set to outbox us. I think that's the first thing that really stands out. And I think that's what he did very well against Usyk, especially out of the open stance and using the rear hand to the body and, and trying to attack there. But also he did a very good job of that rear hand reload. Well, he'll start attacking the body and try to get you to drop that elbow a little low and then come right back upstairs. Things like that I think we're going to have to be cognizant of and, and how do we want to counter? Do we counter to the inside? Do we counter from the outside? You know, do we roll with it? Do we pull counter? Things like that. And, um, you know, I'm actually excited because Dewey's going to come over tomorrow. We're going to sit down and watch some tape, put some pen to paper. But Dewey's on the first flight out. We're, we're going to corner – um, I have Manel on Saturday. Do do we will have Farid, and then that dude's gone, man. He's he's straight out to Saudi, so it's it's work time for him. So it'll be really the only time him and I get to sit down before him and I both would be in Saudi. How long are you going to be in Saudi Arabia for the training? So um, I'm actually talking to uh, Francis's um, assistant right now. So the the only hang up, the only issue that kind of came about is myself and Dewey both corner Daniel Zalhuber. And the fact that I'm Daniel's head coach and Dewey's going to be Francis's boxing head coach, it only makes sense for me to stay back in corners of Huber in Mexico City on the 24th. And then I'm going to fly straight to Saudi from Mexico City. So I'll be out there for about two and a half weeks. And I was wondering, because you also have Sean Strickland with his fight coming up too. So you're a busy man. Yeah, man. We're busy. <laughs> We're super busy. And then Dan Ige and Brad, uh, Roman Delize, all in February. So um, February is jam packed. And then literally I'll, I'll, I won't even come. I'll leave for Zell Huber probably a week early. And then I'm going to go straight to Saudi. So I'll be on the road for probably about, you know, almost three and a half, four weeks. It's such an easy life. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Tell my wife yeah. that people have no idea, man. 
Everyone God. goes, oh, you're God. so lucky. No, no, no. It's not what you think. Yeah. So when when I watched the Tyson when I watched the Tyson Fury fight back, a lot of the straight the straight body shots early in the fight, trying to get him to lower his level a little bit, and then coming back over the top, off the jab, yeah, off the jab. So jabbing that yep. body, making him kind of understand that that's going to still be coming. That's there. You're going to have to keep that defense tight with the elbows, and then coming over the top with the bigger shots. Are you guys planning to yep. switch stances quite a bit, like you did in the the Tyson Fury fight? Because when I look back at Francis um, Ngannou when that in that fight. His straight lefts, I feel like, were kind of the moneymaker for him in that fight. Honestly, Josh, he's got a better straight left cross than he does a right cross, in my opinion. My, in my opinion. It's just, I think maybe because it's his, actually his jab hand and, it, and, and it's just coming from the rear side out of southpaw, um, I feel like it's straighter. I, I feel like it's faster holding pads for him when we get him over the southpaw stance. Uh, it just has more of a snap to yeah. it. Um, and obviously what happens when he's out of the right hand, we know what he does to people with that thing. Now, remember the concept a lot of times for, for us was to move him southpaw because we put the power hand forward, right? Almost a Bud Crawford style where it's your, your natural orthodox with your power hands up front. But when we were talking on the show last time with you guys, a lot of that was just to throw our right, our left cross and be able to step over into an or, uh, orthodox overhand, but disguise mm-hmm. it, but hide it you know, and, and bring it from a different style. So I think really what we're going to have to look at is what um, data we collect from Joshua, what defensive holes he might be showing us from one stance or the other. But um, when you go back and just, just simplify and go to straight basics, you know, when you go back and watch the Stipe fight, that's exactly what we we're doing with that jab was one, we we're trying to negate level change. Uh, we we're going to try to jab his chest. So if you change levels, it was going to stop his shot. But it also is going to get him to realize that when you start paring that hand down, we're going to make a hole for our overhand. So that was just simple, basic stuff like that. And that's where Francis really thrives is simplicity and basics. And then let the other stuff start to build in as the rounds go on. When I'm taking a look at the t- this fight and hearing all the, the buzz about this fight, one of the biggest things that you hear that I've seen on social media and some of the media talking also too, is that they look at Anthony Joshua. He seems a little bit more tailor-made. For Francis Ngannou, like they say, oh, he's a little chinny. I mean, I've thought to myself, he's been dropped before by lesser guys that that, that hit not lesser mm. opponents. I shouldn't say that with less power than someone less like power. a Francis Ngannou. He's been sat to his butt. He's been checked. He's been wobbled by guys that don't have the power in Francis Ngannou. And that's kind of the knock. Are you guys looking at like, oh, if we touch him, it's over? Or are you guys looking at like, look, he's still he's going to be there no matter what? Nah, set the bases, man. Just get, get base runners on, and then look for the look for the home run. You know, to to me, it doesn't make any sense to try to go swing out of our shoes and get us out of place. Um, we can place punches where they need to belong. Set the bases, and then you know the power shots there. The big punches are there. They're, they'll be there for Francis. That's the biggest thing I think is one of his best attributes. Josh is his vision. You know, I don't think that I don't think his vision gets a lot of credit. You know, especially with that hook that came over top that floored floored uh, Fury. You know, that, that was a vision, man. That was a play off of uh, coming off that, that, that cross side, rolled through it, and, and landed that big left hook. You know, it wasn't like something that was worked on over and over and over again. That's, that's Francis's vision on something. So um, I think, you know, really for us is just, just take your time, plot, set your bases, and then when you find a home run, tear through it. Is this fight 10 rounds like the Fury fight, or is this a 12-round fight? 10 rounds. 10 rounds. And how are you feeling about the way that Francis went the 10 rounds with Fury? Once you've done it, you kind of have an idea about it. It's that whole thing. It's like when you haven't done it, it's it's all, it's playing in the back of your mind. But once you've done it, you go, okay, 
I know where I'm at. And yep. I know what I can do. You nailed it, John. Like, I feel like we lost the fight um, in six and seven. And, <laughs> we talked and, about that. And we, did, we didn't, we, you know, and I, and I said to Francis, like, he said to me, maybe coming to the stool in one of those rounds, he's like, I just don't want to, I don't want to lose. I don't want to like blow my load. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, mess up my gas tank. And then like in eight and nine, I'm like, bro, your fucking gas tank is there. Like now let's go. So I don't want, I don't want to, I don't want to give rounds away, man. Like yeah. I want to, I want to dominate fucking pillar to post and, and make this guy pay, you know? And I don't want there to be like, Oh, that was a close fight or a split decision, man. Like, you know, our mentality, bros, we want to beat your ass from bell to bell. And I think Francis has the ability to do that and make a statement in this fight. When I, when I look at, when I look at Anthony Joshua, there's a couple of things that I take away from some of his most recent fights and is that he can be broken. Is that he's somebody that when you push on the gas pedal, he can, he can wilt. You can make him wilt by touching him. You can make him wilt by, doesn't have to be hard. Just got to graze him and make him feel that there's, that I have combinations that are there. And as he starts to get hit, he starts to slow down and his output drastically decreases Slows down too. Yeah. And so everything, everything kind of just starts becoming tailor-made for, for Francis Ngannou in this fight. If he's able to land early and often in this fight, but in a 10 round fight, Anthony Joshua's mindset's got to be what I can drag you into deeper waters and drown you. Because as you were saying, when I look at that last fight with Tyson Fury round six and seven, he was afraid of getting tired. I don't want to run out. I don't want to run it out. Anthony Josh is going to use that as leverage. So how do you make those changes from the last fight to this fight? Yeah, I think honestly, just the, the, just the fact that you guys mentioned earlier, it's being there says a lot. Like the unknown was, was worrisome. It's like, Hey, let's throw this guy in the ocean and hopefully he can make it back yeah. to shore. And now he's made it back to shore and he knows like, Hey, I, I have the gas tank. I'm able to do this. And I think kind of understanding that pace and that rhythm that he had to kind of deal with in the first few rounds of Fury, then getting into the deeper rounds or the mid rounds, and then later rounds when we're like, oh, dude, we, we can win this fight. Like, let's seal this thing up. And we saw what happened, man. Like, I get you know goosebumps thinking about that round 10, like going into round 10, me and Dewey just on the stool with them, like, holy shit, dude, like, we're going to win this fucking fight. And he's like, <laughs> yep, let's go. You know, there was no, there was no tire. There was no quit in them. But you're, you're absolutely right. Josh is like, I feel like the experience alone, the anecdotal evidence is there for him now. He's been there. He knows how to, how to you know, pace himself. But the biggest thing technically that I, I want to try to work on more and Dewey and I will talk about, the thing that I noticed the most is like steal, steal the combinations away by cheap jabs. And what I mean by that is like land a good three-piece combination, right? And it's usually like that tit for tat. You land a combination, the next guy's going to try to go. There's a beat there in the middle where it's like just stick a cheap jab right in the middle of his face and then restart the rhythm again. I feel like that's what Tyson did really, really well in looking back at where we could be better is like steal a jab away and then the combination will go and then boom, stick him with another jab and let the combination go. But that offbeat rhythm jab to me is something I would like to get better at. Not only in, in boxing, we've been doing it more and more in MMA, man. So been learning a lot from these guys. <laughs> <laughs> when you take a look at Joshua – what's made him successful a lot is his ability to be the bigger guy, to be a guy that can bully his opponents around. Even with Usyk, he bullied him around a lot. It's just that Usyk used good footwork to set up angles and to attack him. This is going to be a different story for him. This is People have no idea how big and strong Francis Ngannou is until you're around him. It's like, you know, like I said, I have a picture of him standing behind me at a, at a, an awards thing, and it's like he dwarfs me. And it's like he is 
an unbelievably large athlete, but he's so well conditioned and he proved that he can go those 10 rounds. Are you going to have him just in that mindset, push him, push, push, and make it to where Joshua starts to fall? Because like Josh is saying, we look at him and go, he is a fighter that starts to wilt. Yeah. And and what's the one thing that like we lean on so much in MMA? Cardio. Especially when you get into that cardio and that dirty boxing style, man. Heavy, sagging, making him work, making him pummel, beating him up on the inside, you know, hanging on his legs, just making just just make this dude tired to the point where any man that gets to that brink of, of exhaustion finds ways out, finds holes within his heart, you know, like finds oh, I don't excuse. know if I want to be here. Finds an excuse. And I think that's the thing that we have to lean heavy on is not necessarily the MMA side of things, but the MMA mindset. When you get in there and you can fucking put a pace on somebody, a wrestling style pace. You can't wrestle a guy. I get all that. But when I'm talking hanging and grabbing and moving them and shagging on them and everything else, it's a little brother versus big brother mentality. And Francis has that. Francis has that big brother mentality where we can wilt on this dude. The... For me, I feel like, kid, look, the entrance into boxing for Francis, everything that he put, he was my man of the year but last year, my fighter of the year. I should say man of the year, fighter of the year. I keep saying that, but my fighter of the year last year when we did our, when we did our uh, weighing in awards is because, look, he, he walked away from a lot of money, and what he knew was the UFC. You know, and he knew that the money was on the table, $8 million to fight John Jones, and, you know, a substantial amount of money going in, win or lose, whether he stayed with them or not. Took a chance on himself, went off, signed a great deal with the PFL, then fought Tyson Fury. Oh, I'm not into these gimmick fights is what we heard from Dana and other people, right? <laughs> but the bottom line is, is he put, he, he basically gambled on himself to be successful. And I had said leading up to this fight against Tyson Fury, if he sits him down, if he's able to rock him or put him down, he's paved his way in his career. That's it. He's making so much money. He's never even thought about making this much money. Now this fight comes up. And to me, I feel like this was the easier of the two fights in his first fight. Mm -hmm. If it would have been his first fight, mm -hmm. I could see because there's no, they don't know what to expect. And John said, like, yep. they don't know how big he is. They don't know how explosive he is. They don't know how well he can fight in the clinch. They don't know how strong he is. They don't know any of those things. Then they get in there and they find out. And then all of a sudden, we're going to find out if he wilts. But all of those things being said, the honeymoon stage is over. You mm -hmm. know, this is now like I was uh, like, they're really coming down to the point where this is it's over now. Like in terms of he's a boxer now, there's nothing else. Mm -hmm. This is what he is. And I don't know if he's going to keep doing this, but what he did with Tyson, that was great. And that was fun. But this person now in front of him is going to be really prepared for what he saw against Tyson Fury. And how are you guys approaching this fight mentally for him? Because in the first fight, it was a honeymoon stage. It was a, Hey, this is great. Yeah. We're in here. We're in here. This is great. This is where we want to be. Now this is boxing. These guys are like, yep. no, we we're not taking him for granted. We're going to knock this guy out as best we can. We're going to, we're going to try to make him a highlight reel. They're not taking the approach mm. like, ah, oh, this is going to be an easy fight. How do you mentally prepare? Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, and, and you nailed it. Now there's now there's ten rounds of footage that somebody could break down. You know, and the, and the unknown is not really the un, as much as the unknown anymore with him. But honestly, I mean, I think we stay prepared the same way that we've always have, Josh. It's man, 
We don't really listen to a lot of the hype and the buzz. It is what it is. It's it's done in the room. It's done in the in the gym, um, and it's done by by each other. Like like we don't. That's always been our mentality, man. We've always kind of had an underdog mentality role, even with Sean Strickland. You know, everybody counts us out until we get in there and we go do the job. But and that's the way it should be. We don't deserve anything right now. We're zero and one in boxing. But you're ranked number ten, buddy. You're zero and one in rank number uh, ten, yeah. by the way. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, uh, you, you, you're right. The cat's out of the bag. People, people know and kind of know what to expect. But I think that leaves some more room for improvement on our end as a coaching staff on on bettering some of the things that we've already started. And we have the, in my opinion, one of the best athletes in the world. He makes us all look like great coaches. You know, we're all we're all good. But I mean, he makes us look damn good. You know, because of his athleticism. So I think lean on his athleticism. Um, all the while, man, don't forget what got us here. And that was keeping our head down and grind and stay, stay, stay the course and, and work our ass off. Do you ever, when you, when you look at Francis and you know, you're in the training room with him, is there ever that point where you look and you go, how does a freaking athlete get that big, that fast, that strong? It, it's, it, it's unique when you look at him. It really is. A hundred percent. You know, it, it's, the, during the COVID time, it was it, it was so much fun just because it was like just me and him. And we go to the weight room and we go lift and we train, you know. And I'd have to grapple with him, I have to pads with him, I have to go lift weights with him, and everything else. But um, you know, he's he's the goofiest guy on the weights. It's the funniest shit ever. Like people ask like, how much does he bench? He's like, he doesn't. He can't bench. He doesn't know how to bench. He's all over the place, you know. <laughs> and then um, yeah, it's it's so funny. So like, he's strong. He's powerful, but. Um, it, it's not like our style, our type strong. of weightlifting man. Yeah, strong. man. Yeah, exactly. A hundred percent. So, um, my dad, my dad, the first time my dad saw him, he's like, why is this guy doing anything, but not playing three, four outside linebackers? <laughs> this guy's a specimen. He's he making millions of dollars. He'll be making millions of dollars. But I mean, that's, that's the thing, man, is, is, uh, just a, just a purebred athlete, you know, and, and you tell him to do something, he understands the concepts behind it and he'll, and he'll do it and he'll do it well. Uh, you had put out a uh, an interview talking about um, what Francis paid you and how it was life changing money, and I had seen like I think it was Cub Swanson. I saw one of his comments, and I, I brought light to it also on our show. And I said, you know, what people don't realize is that you guys put in so much time, travel, travel away from your family, mo- hours and hours, endless time at the gyms, you know, and. And developing relationships. That's the other thing. Being going to going to sponsorship parties because you're part of the team. Like doing all the dinners at the, you know, at after weigh-ins. These are hours you're putting in. And to be recognized the way you're recognized right now by Francis, being able to be being able to for him to be able to pay you what life-changing money, like you said. What you deserve. What, what is Tell it? them, Eric. Mm. It's what I deserve. But how <laughs> much easier does it now make your job to say, hey, to your wife? to leave your kids and go, Hey, I'm going to go to the gym now and work with Francis or work with Sean and work with so-and-so work because now you see, you see it, you feel it, you feel the appreciation. Does it make a difference? Yeah. Huge, huge difference. And, and coming from two guys that have been in this sport for a long time, you guys understand that the, the product is what we see in the cage, you know, the, the 15, the 25 minutes in the cage, but, Man, it not only is it the eight week camps, it's the time, man, like the the off season. And when our phone never turns off, right? When when Jeremy Kennedy calls me, it doesn't matter. I'm always coaching. You know, it's 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 a it's a lifestyle, it's a it's a job of servitude. Um, and I chose it for a reason and I love it, but 
it is always nice when your athletes reciprocate it back towards you, not only with love, but yes, monetary money and, and, and or monetarily and being paid for it. Uh, it, it takes a lot of the pressures off, man. Like, um, you know, even like, unfortunately, like Puna didn't get a win his last fight. So I, I took like maybe a 10th of what I usually get paid because I can help him help pay it forward to him, save a little bit more money, you know, because I had money from Francis. So, you know, it, it, it all works. There's a trickle down effect one way or another. Um, and like coach Fallis would always say, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. And then, you know, Francis is the, is the ship that's rising and he's bringing everyone along with them. So trickle down economics works then. Is that what you're verifying right now? It works. Okay. I just want to make sure I make sure I heard you correctly. Trickle down works. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. Let's, let's talk about, uh, another one of your pupils. I'm going to say <laughs> the man, the man known as Sean Strickland, who is always, in the media now he is in the news he is doing something getting into fights at the ufc with ddp there hold it eric you got to tell him dude don't fight when you're not getting paid <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man yeah i guess you know he's about that life you know what i mean like the whole thing went off and and um the first thing i wrote him i just i just text him like did we win <laughs> <laughs> He, he pulled and, uh, he, he pulled the Gerard Godot. Uh, I don't know yeah, if you know what yeah, that means, yeah. but he bit him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I heard. I heard. Uh, um, you know, there, there, there's like, there's two sides of me or, or like, all right, you know, I like that dog in you. And yeah. Motherfucker talk shit. You want to go? And then um, I, I that same night I, I wrote him and I said, hey, man, like, just remember that this is what this guy wants. He yeah. wants us to fight him to his style of fight, which is chaotic and bringing you out of your element. Cause you want to try to kill this guy takes us out of our defensive standards and everything that we work so hard for. So I think when you saw that same exact fight that night, when you watch Leon Edwards fight Kobe Covington and take the emotion out of it yep. after what was said and watch him dismantle that man for five rounds, I, I made that to a full point. Look what, look what happened with Leon when he hurt him to the heart right? Hurt him. That dude wanted to kill that motherfucker, but he didn't fight him that way. He fought him smart and fought him tactical. And that's the same approach we need to have on January 20th. That's a yeah, you can't fight. You can't fight anger. That's a great, doesn't work. That's a great example of how to fight someone. And if you're going to pull that up, I mean, that's, that's perfect, Eric. I can't even think I, I didn't even come to my mind. I'm like, Hey, this is how you need to approach this fight coming up. That's, that's great. No one. Yeah. It was just great. Cause it was the same night, you know, it just was fresh. It was the same night. So it worked out perfect. I, I, I understand coach of the year. I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, look, you know, with Sean, we've been trying to get him on the show. Maybe you could put in the good word for us, but I get it. He likes to do in-person <laughs> stuff, but I see what he, what he does now in terms of like the media, he likes to do in-person. He wants to be there sitting with you, have a more direct contact. It seems like, so I'm not going to hold it against him. You know, I'm going to, you know, when I do see him, I'm going to give him a little poke here and there. Got but, um, <laughs> how do you see this fight being different than fighting someone like an Izzy? Izzy is slick on the feet, straight punches, moves a lot of switching of stances, whereas DDP just walks right forward, big shots, overhand rights. How do you approach someone, uh, if you're Sean Strickland, how do you approach that? Um, you know, for us, I, I go back and I watch um, DDP when he fought Brad, right? And we we Brad fought him very very well the first round and then DDP broke Brad's nose and the fight went the other way for for us. Um, DDP has been 
making incredible improvements since Brad's fight. I mean, that was only what four four fights ago, I believe. Yeah, five. And he's gotten he's gotten so much better since then, which tells me that he's starting to understand his game better and understands how to set things up better. Um, and then you go watch him against Robert Whitaker, and he uses southpaw a lot more. Again, kind of taking a page out of what we did with Fury was he got his power hand forward, but used that quite a bit to get into his switch stances and step throughs and things like that. But ultimately ended up knocking Whitaker down with the lead power hand out of that southpaw side, sitting him down. So there's been two two sides of approach to that. Is what do you want to do when this guy does blitz? What do you do? What do you want to do when he comes forward? And how do you want to handle it? Is it is it pre pocket or is it out like when he gets all the way to the inside? What I don't want is to get Sean leaning backwards. And when you start leaning backwards, you only lean so far. And then that's where this guy ends up finding your chin because it's like looping punch, looping punch. And he's kind of juggernaut forward. You start to lean. There's going to be a problem. Your chin's going to get exposed. So just working on either a stopping the blitz before it even starts or making a car crash to the inside. How do you want a car crash to the inside? Of course, with violent elbows, things like that. And then maybe working that our elbows always turn into our underhook series. So, you know, getting some of those grappling exchanges. I, I know that a lot of his um, downfalls has been in the past. They talk about his cardio. I, I don't really see that. I see a opening, meaning like he opens his mouth. He, he's a mouth breather. Uh, maybe he has a problem breathing out of his nose. Francis breathes out of his mouth, right? And I don't look at that as a fault in his cardio, but I also look at it as something that we do need to test. We do need to we do need to go by and just check it and make sure that yeah, okay, this guy's cardio is there, but we gotta put a fucking pace on this guy and try to make him break in rounds four and five. But well when you look at his past fights like with Darren Till, where he dominated the first round and yep. came out in the second, got a little bit tired. And you could sure see did. that he he was tired in that. When you're looking at you know, your fighter in Sean Strickland, a guy who puts basically relentless pressure. Both guys are pressure fighters. Both guys come forward and usually make their opponent fight off their back foot. This is going to be interesting in who is able to establish that and make it happen in this fight. 100%. A lot of the same ideologies that happen in the Izzy fight are, are going to try to we, – we need to try to impose some of those same things as far as Cage generalship goes in trying to put him backed up so we have real estate behind us if we need to move, right? So try to force him into uh, panic wrestle situations. Try to get him into situations where he's going to open up big so we can see the, 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 the freaking big power punches coming at us. Um, and then really, how do you want to deal with it? I'm, I'm open to some grappling exchanges. You know, I, I see Sean grapple with Ankalaev and the guys in the room, and he's very, very difficult to hold down. But he has a more of a scramble style to him that really favors us in a five-round fight. You know, okay, we're going to go Granby. We're going to roll out. We're going to do this. We're going to you know, run our own body lock series. We're going to run our own takedown. The guy's going to get up. And that shit's exhausting, as you guys know, man. It's that up-down training that I think that really is going to favor Sean when it comes down to a 25-minute fight. I think another reason why I will favor Sean is that Sean's, you know, Sean spent some of his career at 170 and now at 85 and then having, obviously, a ton of success at 85 being the champ. But fighting someone like DDP, he's huge, huge for the weight. How do you combat someone who's that size 
and fight the very similar to the way that Sean fights is he fights that pressure. So what does he have to do? He mm. wants to walk him down. He wants to make him tired. He wants to make him just miss his punches to make him even more tired. But how do you get away with not getting clipped in the process and then trying to bully the bigger guy? You nailed it, man. It, it, and we have to be in and out. You have to make a big power puncher miss his punches and exhaust his energy. You have to. And then when you get on the inside, what else do you got to do? You got to make him pummel. You got to make him dig underhooks. You got to try to stay heavy on his arms. Get that blood flow in his arms. Make him shake his arms out in between rounds. I want to look over in round two and three and see those motherfuckers rubbing his arm and not his pecker. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so we got we to gotta make sure that we make this guy work. We got to tax on him. Not only, not only on the arms, Josh, we got we to gotta chop his legs down. We got to make this guy hurt from the feet to the floor, man. And, it, and that, that's really it to me. We, we really have to attack this guy from his legs up to his body, make him pummel, make him work, be out of the way of the big stuff. You know, take him down here and there, sprinkle in the wrestling, um, and and really, man, make it a make it a classy MMA fight. When you look at the Alex Pereira fight when Sean fought him, it was he was using the Sean was fighting with the Philly shell, and he would like you said he dipped his head back a little bit and kind of parried the punch and missed, got clipped, got dropped. He can't afford with this type of fight though with DDP, very loopy shots like you talked about earlier. He's got to make sure he stays tight with the the Philly shell. But how do you get him not to lean back in that situation instead of maybe maybe closing the distance and getting inside the hole to to get rid of the loopy shot so he's not getting hit with the big shot? Is that what you're working on, or are you just working on dipping out the sides? Two folds, so half beat pulls meaning bringing your front foot with okay. you yep. um, rather than a lean or a rock step, the half beat pull. So both of my feet come with me, but it's just enough to just slide out of range, but I'm not getting overextended on my back foot. Right. Which I think a lot of guys get, get, you know, they're both good. They're both, they're both, you know, they both work well, but what are we trying to accomplish here is bringing both of our feet with us rather than a lean out. Um, and the other thing too, is, is really been working a lot of the elbows to the inside and, and creating a car crash. What I mean by that is when a guy gets open and big loopy punches, okay, let's frame and come to the inside with some weapons. So when a guy does come moving forward, you don't really have to throw anything. His forward momentum is walking into these elbows, walking into these forearms. And those forearms naturally turn into our underhook series. So let's bang him up. Let's let's put cuts on his face when he goes to the corner. Let's make him wear some damage. Let the cut man come in and work on his face, you know? I want to I want to make this a, a a great MMA fight from every little skill and tactic that we can find in this fight and try to dismantle this man. In watching DDP in all of his fights, the one thing that he's really shown he is tough. He doesn't tough. He, he does not quit. He does not give in. He's always looking to come back and create more problems for you. When you're looking at Sean as a fighter, what is the one thing? Besides not getting angry in the fight, what's the one thing that you want to make sure that he stays away from when it comes to DDP as far as if he hurts him or any of those things? Do you want him to take his time or do you want him to go after him and try to finish him at that point? Um, I think it's a, it's, it's a good question, John, and I, I think it's it's kind of to the artist that's in the that's painting that, that picture at that moment. True. You know, I, I'm never going to tell a guy like there's no one better in there than in the moment than when they know what they feel and they see. Um, I mean, I've had guys that, that went for it and it didn't work out. Right. I had guys that didn't go for it and we went, man, we should have gone for it in that moment. So 
Um, I think just leaning on my athlete and knowing that when you see a hole, man, it's time to tear through it or, you know, you, you want to get back to your stick, then let's get back to the jab work and everything else. Um, it'll be interesting to see because I, I think that's, that really might need to be the approach is when you find the kill shot, let's go put this dude away and let's go get the fight finished. But that might not be until rounds later in four and five. Uh, look, okay, let's talk about your gym now. Well, not your gym, but the gym. Yeah, let's talk about <laughs> at, at Couture's, at Extreme Tours. Give us the list of guys that you have and, and females that you have coming up right now. Not coming up, but coming up oh. to fight. Oh, coming up to fight. February. So we got, uh, I have Manel Cop. Yep. Manel will be fighting on uh, Saturday. He'll be fighting Mateus Nicolau. Um, now he's coming off of a loss to him. Um, His last loss was to. Nicolau. Yep. What is yep. it that split decision? What is it that you guys want to do different in that fight? Uh, I, I, you know, I think I think he needs to impose his will early. And honestly, like, don't be content on just thinking you're winning on the scorecard. You know, and we, we you and I have known this for years, John. It's like one guy might be looking at something, and one guy might be seeing something else. Man, impose your will from bell to bell. Don't think that like, oh, I'm going to let my foot off the gas pedal, especially not right now. You know, you're, you're honestly, he's a fight or two away from getting an opportunity to the belt. So I think if he could fight this fight the way that I think Manel can, I think he can, I think he can make this look good and he's going to be right there in 2024. So don't let this just slip by the wayside. And because you're, you know, you, you, like, like his last fight, I remember telling him in, in Australia, stay classy. This You're better than this kid everywhere. Don't allow this to turn yeah. into a brawl. Just stay classy and keep winning the way you're going to win. And uh, that's what I feel like we need to do on Saturday. It's just, it just really just, just outworked this. Yeah, guy. we just talked about this fight in, in depth on it on our um, on our full show. But for me, it was I really picked for last for this last time we this last show before is I picked for Manel to actually have a shot at the title by the end of 2024 if he stays on track, use utilizes his explosiveness, works on his wrestling takedown defense a little bit more, a little bit more. But in terms of also too defending the takedown and making him pay. Don't just be content with getting away from them. Okay, you got to make them pay for every time they try to get in. And also, defend the takedown all the way to the point where you're out and away before you start trying to strike. Because mm. he had several in the in their fight, in their last fight, he had several opportunities to defend the takedown all the way to clear and then make him pay. But then as he was kind of defending, he started striking and then got taken down. So I saw those exchanges. Yeah, you're pretty good at this, Josh. <laughs> so I, I, I yeah, saw these exchanges, yeah. and I'm thinking to myself, man, like you just said, one or two more fights, and I got him right there at the top with his explosiveness, his athleticism, man. He could be a reckon with, man. He could be someone to really deal with in those in those uh, top fives. We, we say wrestle three seconds longer than you think, redirect his belly button to a different direction. Love it. You know, get his belly button pointed another way, and then you can go on your attacks. So – I mean, you, you nailed it, bro. You absolutely nailed it. And he's been doing great at it. We've had some really great training partners in there that have been helping him a ton. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing the best Manel cop come Saturday. It'll be good. Um, so what do we got? We got Manel. Um, then we head out for uh, Toronto. It'll be Strickland and Chris Curtis. Uh, man, Chris Curtis, Johnny Eblen today. Fireworks. <laughs> Fireworks, man. Fireworks. Pay-per-view. We could have sold that fight, bro. It was awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Isn't um, it, isn't it amazing Johnny, the fights you get to see that no one else is ever going to see, right? Uh, I'm just I'm I'm just such a freaking fan of Johnny Eblen and what he brings to the table. I watched him spar Chris Curtis for three rounds, and then Johnny was so gracious to come over and give Sean uh, the last two. So so he had Chris Curtis for basically for the hard three rounds, and, and then Sean the last two rounds. 
we get done and and you can ask Johnny, I swear to God, I said this to him right after I said, Hey, you might be top five in the world today, pound for pound, pound for pound. You might be top five in the world today. And what you're capable of doing right now, at such a young, I said, I said this to him, I said, I hope you don't take this as disrespect. You're a puppy. You're still a puppy in this yeah. game, bro. Like you're starting to understand it better and better and better every time out. And it's a blessing just to be able to have you in the gym and, and watch you work. I think he's going to be one of the, one of the best mixed martial arts. Well, John and I got to watch his maturity right in front of our eyes. You know, every time he stepped inside that cage, he got progressively just a tiny bit better. And then one day he just all sometimes leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds. But then it was just one yeah. day. It was the confidence that backed him up. They all of a sudden he's like, bro, I'm, this is coming so easy to me. You know, but he didn't take it for granted. I mean, he's still, I see him all the time posting videos, doing these like quirky little cheesy spin moves and like, you know, with the weights and the kettlebell movements. But guess what? It's all functional movement that you're going to use in a fight. And exactly. people want to criticize yeah. it, but guess what? It's all functional to fighting. And he, he understands but that. But people, people will always criticize what they yeah. don't understand. That's right. That's, that's, that's what they're going to do. When I first came into this, in this sport, I was a football coach and nobody thought I would, could do anything because they didn't understand what I was looking at. But it, it brought me a different perspective when I came into the game. Johnny has Naughty, the guy that he works with. You're talking about the functional trainer guy. People are going to trash on that stuff because they don't understand why he's doing it, right? The reasons behind it. But when you watch his movements and the way he flows in the cage – I see what what Naughty, his coach, is putting into him from an athletic standpoint and going, this is why this relationship yeah. works out well. And at the end of the day, man, you, as you know, Josh, it's all about the athlete, how he feels about the situation. That's what they believe in. You, the one thing, if you're, if you're going to watch Johnny Evelyn, you go and you watch his last fight, the last round that he's fought. He had a cut that was going across his, you know, the, the his eye. It, it was going to stop the fight. He was going to lose his title. He had a vagina on and his he eye. Was he had like to... a fucking big ass vagina right there on his <laughs> eye. He was able to go out yep. and inflict what he wanted to do when he wanted to do it on a very good fighter and end that fight. And that's what, you, when you're looking at someone as a fighter that's at that level, you're talking top five in the, in the world pound for pound. It's guys that can do those things. When they have to step on the gas and go, dude, they can go. And it's amazing to watch him. He That fight, he amazed me how he went out there and just said, this is it. I'm done. I'm going to get rid of Absolutely. it. And he did it. He's the guy that you want the ball in the hands when there's yep. 10 seconds yeah. left on the clock taking the last shot. He's got that. He's got that ability. He's got the charisma. He's got the confidence in himself. And furthermore, what I do really appreciate about more than anything that we're all saying is that. He, there's no cockiness to him. It's a confidence yeah. about him. It's not an arrogance. He's the nicest guy you're ever going to meet. He speaks very well about everybody. Um, and to be honest with you, man, I think he makes everybody else around him better. So it's a blessing. I got him here for a week, so I'm happy to have him. Yeah, what I love about him is that um, when I was watching him fight against against Gegard, who I, I'm a big fan of Gegard. I've known Gegard for a long, long time, fought on the same cards together forever. But in that fight, what I noticed with him is that even though he knew he was up almost every round going into that fifth round, he didn't take his foot off the gas. He kept it going. Nope. He didn't nope. he didn't coast. He didn't cruise. He kept pushing, kept taking the action to to, to Gegard. And then you saw something very yeah. similar in the first fight. Uh, you saw it not in the first fight, but in the fight with Fabian. He was the filling out process. So there was so much trash talk between them. 
And even though Johnny is well-spoken and he doesn't talk a lot of trash, that fight seemed to get under his skin a little bit. And he wanted to make sure a little bit. that he didn't, that he didn't take 100%. a loss. Someone that he definitely didn't like. And then when he, no, when he got cut, he changed his mentality right then and went after the fight. Like John was saying. And got him yeah. out of there when he needed to, yep. man. Uh, amazing. Absolutely. You said amazing. on our last show, if there was one fighter that you would love to have and coach, it would be Johnny Eblen. That you're not coaching now. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> it's a it's a it's more of a wavelength. And actually, Johnny and I talked about this today at practice. He's it's just more of a wavelength. Like, I guess like an offensive coordinator and a quarterback. You just have a connection where I see what he's seeing and he believes what I'm saying, and vice versa. And you can just drop this thing in a six gear and you can floor it and we can go hard and fast or we can just dial it down and do basic tech technical and get a, get a win at the same standpoint. Um, but honestly, I just feel like just, just his mindset is what really I gravitate to in his approach to the game. Um, you know, and I think there's a reason why this kid's a world champion where he's at right now in his career. Yeah, I mean, I'm hearing that his his uh, his potential fight announcement will be coming soon, um, probably sometime in late February. And um, yeah, yep. yeah, I think good for him. Good for him. It'll be cha- a champion versus another champion. From, I'm going to let them release. I'll let yep. them release all the day. I don't think so. I'll, <laughs> let, I'll let them release the day. Yeah. Way. But I think, I think it'll be great. It's going to be a great, it's going to be a great setup. Good fight I, for I think him. it's a great fight. Good for fight him. for him. Perfect fight. Yeah. Great. Uh, give us any who else you have coming up. Um, we got Roman Delize. Yeah. He'll be uh, um, first main event against Nazarene mm-hmm. Imanov. Uh, that will be February 3rd. Um, we'll have Dan Ige, Lerone Murphy on February 10th. And then uh, Brad Tavares will be fighting Robocop Ooh. on the same day. Good yeah, fight. Good, good fight, fight there. That's a good fight. Um, Mexico City will be Daniel Zellhuber. And then I'm catching the plane from Mexico to go straight to Riyadh and be out there with the big guy for the rest of the rest That's of a camp. short flight. You, you'll love it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, when you're flying first class, baby, it's all good. Oh, look at you, big dog. <laughs> Just, give, give, give me hanging <laughs> with the big dogs. That a baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me your love on Zellhuber. Tell me why. You love this kid. Oh, you good. think he's amazing. He's Tell me good. why. Uh, student of the game asks all the right questions and, and the questions you should ask, right, Josh, like as a, as a fighter and as a coach, if I tell him to do something, I should be able to explain the reasons why. And if he asks a question, you should be able to explain the reasons why. So he understands and he grasps it. And I just feel like, you know, all day long, it's like Kai Kamaka and myself and then Dan Ige and Jeremy Kennedy. He's in that group of guys where it's like, it's not my system. It's not Kai's system. It's our system. And you're able to use your bet, your athlete's best attributes and make them apply to him off of what we already do. My goal as a coach is to create, to prepare a, a Thanksgiving dinner, turkey and mashed potatoes. That's always going to be on the plate. But the side dishes is a crapshoot. Everybody's side dishes are always different, right? So my job is to prepare as many side dishes as I can and allow the athlete to put whatever they want on their plate when they see when it, when it best suits them the most. So he's been working on things. He's been in the lab. Um, I would say the one thing that I've been trying to work on the, the, the most is, is just the toughness, the, the meanness that I want to see come out of him. And, and I don't want to change who he is, but there's times in a fight, Josh, where I tell him, I just need you to be mean from baby me one minute around. <laughs> I don't need you to be mean the entire fight. And I don't need to force you into something that you're not because that's just not him. He's just the nicest kid in the world. But let's be mean for about a minute where we're going to try to like, 
you know, elbow this guy's face off. Can you do that for me? He's like, oh, okay, nah. coach. I, I will do that for you, coach. You know, so. Um, but, you know, he's around Sean Strickland quite a bit, and Sean loves him. And, and oh, that'll, that'll change everything right there. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Kids just wearing a white T-shirt and combat boots everywhere. Oh, so. <laughs> Great. But very, very high on Zell Huber, um, especially just from his physical attributes alone. And then it's the, it's the mental side of things that I think that really uh, tie it all together for him. And my last question, uh, outside of Daniel Zellhuber, give me somebody who is unknown that's not in the UFC, no, somebody that you guys have in the gym that you're looking at going, hey, keep an eye out on this fighter. Um, I'd say Kobe Fair. Um, Kobe is a All-American wrestler from Ohio, wrestled at uh, Notre Dame. Um, just an unbelievable talent, and he's kind of a protege under Patchy Mix and Jake, Jake Shields. Um, you know, and I'll tell you what, man, just, just the way this kid can flow and grapple, he comes off and he tries to, tries to play like the, he's this dumb Ohio kid, but he's one of the smartest kids I've seen in the room, holds himself to a high standard. Um, I think just rubbing elbows with the guys like Dan Ige, Kai, you know, Patchy is only going to make this kid even better. Um, now it's our goal just to really just get him going on as far as fights go, just get this kid moving. Um, he's two and oh, two first round finishes violent violent ground and pound and i think that you guys will love this the style of old school ground and pound this guy inflicts on people he he was the guy that made us start that moniker make ground and pound great again because <laughs> that was our whole idea with him is just we really want to we really want to inflict pain on the ground um and then and then allow the submissions to present themselves after you know cutting a guy's face open so that's our boy man kobe fair he's uh he's a he's a talent i'd say definitely keep an eye on him can't be dumb and go to notre dame i don't understand how that can even dumb it doesn't matter if you're from ohio uh, Uh, that's all for me buddy but john you got anything else bud i just want to tell you eric thank you very much for your time i hope your 2024 is Half as good, if not better, than your 2023. You had a great year, and I hope your 2024 is just as good, if not better. For everyone out there, I hope you enjoyed our interview with the man, the coach, Eric Nixick.